teaching church with Pastor Tim. People were just flooding us with questions. If you've got time next week, you should totally get here at 945. What I have now decided to call Stump the Pastor, you're more than welcome to come and ask us all the wonderful questions that you could ever think about, but it is a good time. They got these special donuts in there. They've somehow taken all the old-fashioned maples, and they have hoarded them in there, and I was able to power my way through four of them uh, before everybody got there, but they're just great, so make sure if you got time to come. Uh, let's start with the message, though. Now, last week, we discussed our Lord's ascension where before he goes into heaven, he tells the disciples, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, right? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Lord ascends. Remember the disciples, they they worship him and they go back. They're waiting in the city. And I couldn't help but thinking as they're waiting, that must have been tough because it's not like they waited for only like a few minutes, got back to the upper room and then it happened. I think it was a while. And I wonder if this is what they looked like. You think they looked like this as they were waiting? (laughs) Staring out the window, watching the rain come down, Joey Tribbiani style. If you're not a Friends fan, I got another photo for you. What about this? Could have looked like this. We know they definitely did some fishing, pondering. There's the rain one again. Yeah, that's cool. We might just spend some time waiting here while I think of something to say. Ever had uh, a nice text conversation going, and then you really get them with something, and then all of a sudden, what are you waiting on? Dot, dot, dot. You see it, and then it disappears, and then you get really angry, right? You're like, I saw those dots. You say whatever it is that you were going to say, and I don't know for certain that that's what the disciples were feeling. Let's go, Jesus. Give us the gift. But I do know this. In Luke's gospel, Jesus' work, his ministry... That followed after the baptism that he had received from John, right? In which we see the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus like a dove. Now here in Acts is when the church's ministry likewise will begin when the Holy Spirit descends upon them. And it doesn't just descend upon the disciples, right? It descends upon everyone who was in the room. Some people say it's up to 120 men and women that were gathered up there. And this Holy Spirit, this gift that they are given is the spirit that Jesus promised that the Father would send. It's the one that he said, wait until you receive it. And that's what today celebrates. Pentecost uh, celebrates the receiving of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church as it gets going. And with the giving of the Spirit, that mission that each one of us has been given, the mission of bearing witness to Jesus, of making disciples, of being a light, begins right here in the text that we're going to look at. And friends, it doesn't just start and stop at this text, but starts here, and this never stops until our Lord Return. So here's our text for today. This comes, of course, if you're following along with us in your Bible from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, the Jewish Feast of Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, takes place 50 days after Passover. You remember Passover is what uh, was going on during uh, the the betrayal night and during Christ's um, death on the cross. That was that celebration during then for the Jews. That was Passover feast. This one of Pentecost is one of those three great pilgrimage feasts of Israel. A pilgrimage feast meaning when you had to leave your town 
town, you leave your home, and you came and you celebrated in Israel. And this one, actually, this Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, was typically the most well-attended because it was when the weather was one of the best. And this is, of course, coming from Deuteronomy 16 here. I think we have it, Mrs. Todd, very good. Three times a year. All your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened blood, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. Sounds like I shouldn't have had four donuts. Now, it was originally this harvest celebration, right? But it became this commemoration, really, of God's giving of the law on Mount Sinai. So this celebration that had been established for this festival had turned into not only the gift of the harvest, but also the gift of the law. Now, for Christians today, as we celebrate it, it's the coming of the Holy Spirit. It fulfills everything that its purpose was when it was started way back when in the time of Moses. The celebration of the gift of the law is now embracing the giving of this new law, the law of the Spirit. Like Paul wrote here in Romans 8, 2, because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. You have been free from the law of sin and death, and now we have this law of love, right? This law that comes from Jesus. On the writing of the law in our hearts, like the prophet told in Jeremiah, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And then Paul reiterates again in 2 Corinthians, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Pentecost is all about this new movement that begins. And today we're going to be talking about how that movement is centered only in Jesus Christ. Moving Christianity from this ideal of just moralism and the things we have to do to a message of grace, to a message of forgiveness, to a message of God's promise that we are his children, that we are loved because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. Now as you see here, that's manifested. There's signs, right? There's three of them. There's the sound, there's the, uh, the blowing violent wind, there's the tongues, there's the fire. And throughout Scripture, we always see these signs whenever we know that God is present. At the beginning of Genesis, it was the Spirit of God hovering over the waters at creation. At the breath of life, like we sang about in our song, coming from the dry bones in Ezekiel 37. There's the fire that John the Baptist promised Jesus would baptize with, not with water, but with spirit and fire. And then there's that loud noise, just like at the Mount of Sinai. All of these things are pointing to one very clear thing. God is present. So come, hear, listen. What's happening is something special. And interestingly enough, it's not about the sound or the wind that draws people, but it's going to be the talking. Hey, baby, it's going to be the talking. That's my baby. I wouldn't just say that to a, a random baby. But here's this. I don't want you to miss this. This comes to us and all the people there, right? This is, chap this is chapter 2, verse 5. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this 
me. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Now, the countries that are mentioned here cover most of the world that was known to first century Palestine. It's showing us that the mission of the church is going to embrace not just one city, but embrace the entire world. It's going to transcend all barriers, all race, all class, all nations, including the enemies of Israel, the enemies of God, like the new Romans and like Mesopotamia and Egypt, fulfilling the promise that the psalmist declared in chapter 87 that Israel's oppressors, even the ones that now bring us pain, will turn and acknowledge that the God of Israel is the one true God. All of the Jews that had been dispersed, had been forced to either choose or to live somewhere else, had made homes in different nations, who now spoke with different dialects and languages even, all heard these disciples, these men and women speaking in their own language. And what's happening here is from very, very many is coming back to one, reversing, right, what was done at the Tower of Babel. You remember the Tower of Babel where the people in their arrogance tried to build this very tall tower to the heavens to make a name for themselves. And in consequence of that, at the tower, God confounded that one universal human language and turned it into many languages and the people scattered, many nations rising up with their own languages. And in that moment, rather than repenting and turning back to God, those different people chose to seek power, chose to seek wealth, chose to seek security, chose individuality without even referencing their maker. They were determined now to make their own truths, their own truths that could be made for their own advantage. And we would have to be pretty blind to say that the effect of that is not still clinging today. As each one of us tries to make a name for ourselves, each one of us tempted with proving our mettle, buying into the false idea that we must earn love or chase this illusion, putting ourself and our needs before all else, living and practicing in a society and culture that seems geared to working towards separation and division but it is here, here where the Spirit of God comes down, here at Pentecost, where the Spirit is given the abilities to speak in different languages, heard in one. God beginning to overcome human divisions with the only thing, the one thing that could possibly unite people amongst so many differences. What could possibly speak truth when so many people are broken? What could possibly bring hope when everywhere there is war and death and suffering? What could possibly bring certainty and could move us from focusing on the self to looking up? You know, that's why you're here today. Jesus Christ. And this book, this book of Acts, will stop at nothing to show this. We will find eunuchs and Gentiles, sinners from every race, every class, every nation. Come and know Jesus. There is a reason when we look around today, we do not all look the same. Because God is bringing all people to him through Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is the only unifying force in this world. There is nothing and no one else that can transcend our differences and unite us, can bring us together. There is nothing and no one else who can restore, who can reconcile, who can give peace and hope other than Jesus Christ. For there is no other name in which all power and authority has been given. No other person who did not use their own power and advantage to their own self, but instead chose to die for you and I. And here, here at Pentecost, at the gift of the Holy Spirit, where we will see fishermen and women and unknown scattered misfits who have been broken and who are of little importance in the eyes of the world, be individually called by God, given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and find themselves done looking out the window of the rain and wondering what to do, but will find themselves standing up, speaking, and begin living this truth. And it's Peter first in verse 14 who does it first. Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice, addressing the crowd, says, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, I thought Luke might have just thrown this in for, you know, some laughs or something. And I'm sure the crowd said a lot of things based on what was being said and what they were hearing and seeing. But why include this? Why mention this? Because of the irony of what was shouted out. See, in the Old Testament, new wine or sweet, not, sweet wine symbolized joy, symbolized an abundant blessing that God is present and giving his people. Coming from the book of Joel, right? The mountains will drip new wine. The hills will flow with milk. The streams of Judah will flow with water. A spring will rise from the house of the Lord, watering the valley of, we won't say the name of the town. And there are many, right? There are many there. Many who say that this is why Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Because wherever the Spirit of God is, wherever Christ is, abundance and blessing comes. And when Peter stands up and says, Hear, O people, it is clear that the new wine, the new wine is the Holy Spirit. It is the gift of God's love that is poured out onto human hearts. No more waiting and uncertainty, just truth, action, and mission. Hearts that have been afraid, hearts that have been stuck in the reeds, living waist deep in this, what do we do now? We'll receive the Spirit. We'll cry out. We'll cry out with a word of God that splits seas, that sets captives free, and brings life, brings unity, brings healing will cause people to live with their lives on fire. It is not an accident that flames rested over their heads. They were ready to go, purified by the word of God that had been spoken to them and ready to set the world on fire. And the same goes for us today, to be filled by the Spirit to hear Peter preach his message on who Jesus is because Peter knew just exactly what it meant to be known and reconciled to God, to receive what he alone could give, to move from a man who was ashamed because of what he had done and denied to being the first to stand up and cry out, this Jesus is your Lord and Savior. So friends, as you leave here this week, 
as you let this word of God rest in you, call out to the Lord like Peter will cry out to you. For too often we seek to fill ourselves with the things that we think we need. And if you're finding yourself in that time of waiting, or maybe on the opposite end of the strict, uh, spectre where you're just being overwhelmed and you're not sure what you should do, turn to the Lord. Get rid of that mindset that says, I can do this on my own. I can do this by filling my days with other things. Because the Lord pours out the Spirit on you. The Lord takes your brokenness. The Lord takes your sin. He takes your worries. He takes all of the burdens and the things that would make you wait to act and breaks those strongholds over you, comes to you, speaks to you and says, stop listening to that nagging voice in the back of your mind and hear me say that you are loved, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that I have called you with purpose to bring my word, my healing, my hope to those who need it. Find yourself closing your eyes and letting that wash over you, rest upon you. Because it is God himself who will take these things like floods and fires and storms and brings instead his spirit. Of all the voices that would cry out, he says, hear mine. Hear my voice, the one who has formed you, who calls you by name. I give you my spirit. I promise myself and unite myself to you. That's what it means to call on that name, friends, like Peter's going to cry out, to call on it and be saved, to be reconciled, to be refreshed, to receive community and rest. Acts chapter 2.16 says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. Even on servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and on signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter's saying that these are the last days. We're living in them now. What is happening and what is to come will be fulfilled. But the Spirit, the Spirit is here now. And we might read this and want to seek out when are those signs going to happen. But don't miss the message that the Spirit has been poured out, not given just a little bit, not measured out, not getting what you deserve or just enough to get by. Poured out. Poured out. Washed over you. Covered completely. So that you can be certain that the love of God reigns and defines your life. So that you can prophesy, so that you can speak the words of hope that have come. so that you can open your eyes to the wonder of God working in your life. So that you can dream and see past the things that you have done and see the things that God will continue to do in your life.
so that you call out on that name of the Lord. Call on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and be saved. Experience the transformation, the renewal of life that comes from him. He gives the spirit without limit. Yours. And as the band comes back up right now to get us singing again, to, to cry out, I am saved. I am known by the Lord. He is mine. There is no fear here. These ones who follow Jesus will continue to be beaten, will continue to be jailed, will continue to be killed, will continue to face hard times and suffer. But they will not rest, nor will they stop. Because the Spirit of God that is in them is greater than anything that is in this world. The same spirit that lives in you today. That is the glorious gift of Pentecost. It's not like it was in the Old Testament where the spirit of God came just so that you could accomplish the, ta the task that God gave you. Now the spirit is yours. Yours completely. Because Jesus has come to you and given it to you. It is a spirit that brings change that makes you holy, that leads you, that gives each one of you a gift, uniquely places you and gifts you to accomplish what God has provided for you to do. That is not up for hope. That is fact. That is the promise of God for you. That he will make you fit and give you what you need comes to us here in his body, here in the bread and wine. Let's pray as the band starts to play. Lord God, come. Come and renew the face of this earth that we live in. Pour out your spirit upon us, O oh Lord. Give us your gifts. Give us your strength. Give us your passion, Lord, to not be content with where we are and how things are, but to boldly proclaim your word, to love without stopping, to see where it is that we are needed and to bring your peace, your love, your certainty, your truth. In the areas where we must stand, Lord, give us the strength to stand. In the areas where we must forgive, Lord Jesus, give us what we need so that we can forgive as we have been forgiven. Help us to trust deeply in you, Lord Jesus, knowing that you, you, have promised to complete what you have started in each one of us. Open our hearts. Renew our commitment to you. Make us witnesses to the risen Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Redeemer, the one we call on, the one who saves. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, who is our Savior. Amen.